Hi, my name is Esther, and today we'll be talking about Pegasus Project and one of its surviving time-traveling children. Keep listening to find out what the hell happened. Hi, welcome to What the Hell Happened. Today I am here with the Mr. Lockwood. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Nice to see you, Esther. I am feeling so much better. Sure looks like in it. In case you couldn't tell. Um, I did not give you a name today. I did not give you a descriptor word because I left a blank there meaning to come back and fill it in. And I finished writing the story for today and completely forgot. So you get to choose your own name today. Intrepid. The intrepid Mr. Lockwood. I like it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yes. Yeah, so sorry for the last couple of episodes. Been a little bit sick. Little yeah, what's and... with those episodes? Ay, they were short. Is this one going to make up for them all? Yes, it is. Uh, they were short, and I hope they were at least mildly entertaining, but we are back on track. So um, obviously, when I'm sick, I'm sick for two weeks, and Mr. Lockwood is sick for one day <laughs> with whatever I have. So he always gets off real easy. Mm-hmm. Get off easy? Yeah, you get them for one no, day. No, I just work harder than you at it. What, getting better? Mm-hmm. I don't think you could lay around harder than me. <laughs> oh, yes, I can. <laughs> I don't think you've blown your nose harder than me. <laughs> it's been pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only thing I, I was going to say is that while laying around being miserably miserable, uh, we did watch a lot of Alone mm-hmm. on... Hulu? Mm-hmm. Thanks to Buck. Yeah. He got us on to Alone. Buck got us hooked on Alone. And so while I was sick, we just binge watched, we watched all of them. seven seasons mm-hmm. of Alone. And if you haven't watched it and you like watching people suffer trying to live outdoors with no help. For money. Uh, for money. Like $500,000 mm-hmm. kind of money. Um, You should watch it. It's really good. It's entertaining. Uh, in the last two seasons... A lot of contestants caught their homes on fire, mm-hmm. ca- caught their, I guess, shelters on fire, their structures. Um, so if you're into watching that, which I, re- I very much am, give it a shot. It's pretty good. I found it to be actually fairly educational, too. Yes, actually. I learned quite a bit watching it. Yes, yes. And it's fun to watch the progression from season one mm-hmm. to season seven because people that are on season three, four, or five, they've all learned stuff right. from watching the previous mm-hmm. So seasons. it does evolve. They evolve. People, the contestants, they evolve. They start mm-hmm. out a little more sophisticated. Yes. In the so first episode, they're just like fish in a bucket. Yeah. Deer in the headlights. I got no idea what they're up in up against. So if you're looking for something to binge watch and you've gotten through your whole winter playlist already, <laughs> yeah. give it a go. I mean, you know, if you if you enjoy watching that kind of thing, even if you hate outdoors, like you'll enjoy watching the suffering yeah. <laughs> that that incurs. So uh anyway, would you like to hear a story? Yeah, I mean, uh, this one's been uh for all you listeners that haven't experienced it, this one's been 
highly, really hyped up around hi- and here. Highly secretive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Every time I walked out of the office, I turned everything over so he couldn't see titles on anything. <laughs> of course, I'm a little skittish on this hype these days. You Kinda are thinking, right. Is it fake news or not? Because I've been getting some fake news lately. (laughs) I've been sick, okay? (laughs) Give me a damn break. That's what fake news always does after you catch them, too. They're like, it's not my fault. I had this going on. You wanted one that was entertaining from beginning to end, (laughs) and boy, do I have it for you. All right. So, there's another binder. Today, we'll be talking about. The Pegasus Project and one of its surviving time-traveling children. Nice. You feeling good about that? Can I read all the stuff on the bottom? Yeah, you're allowed to. Well, you don't, don't read it off. No, don't tell anyone? No. Okay. You can read it, though. So this is going to be a two-parter. Uh, and it is a, another extension of our previous Montauk slash Camp Hero episodes. Yay! Yay! I, mean, <laughs> I owed you a good one. Now, um, I'm only going to do this if John von Neumann's in here. Okay, he is mentioned. Um, okay, that's but enough for me. But you'll be happy with the way in which he was mentioned. And I can't remember. It may be in this episode. It may be in part two. I can't remember how far down down the list it is but we'll get there either this this episode or the next one so you can listen to this episode alone but there may be references that you won't understand if you haven't listened to the previous camp hero episodes so if you'd like to listen to them first they are episodes three and eight i think they're funny yeah yeah well they were really fun to do because the yeah the the tales are very very fun now is this part of What's his name's writings, or is this separate? You will just have to see. <sighs> yep, yep. No, this is a this is adjacent to, but different. Mm-hmm. So, if you're ready, Mister Lockwood. <laughs> this is what was his name? Preston. This is Preston B. Nichols adjacent. <laughs> I don't think it isn't. Um. So hold on to your butts, kids. Because here we go. Nearly 15 years before Preston Nichols and Duncan Cameron had their experiences at Camp Hero in Montauk, New York, there was a secret project in 1968 called the Pegasus Project. The Pegasus Project was started as an intelligence project by the CIA and was then handed off to DARPA as a time-space exploration program and primarily recruited children between the ages of 6 and 12. Oh, this one. Yes, so we did talk a little bit about the time-traveling children, I think, in the Montauk Chair Mm -hmm. episode. And the guy that was going to run for president was one of them. Yes, yes. The senator. Yes. Picture. DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and it is responsible for developing weapons, surveillance tech, and communications technology. The director of the Pegasus Project was Dr. Harold M. Agnew. Um, and there's a picture of Mr. Agnew. I wonder if he's related to the vice president of the time. I can't not hear Agnew and not think mm-hmm. of that, um, and I did think of that, but I don't. I don't think so. 
he was part of Project Manhattan, which if you don't know, was a project to build the atomic bomb in World War II. He was graduated from physics under a man named Dr. Enrico Fermi. He was a physicist of applied quantum physics. The man who was at the top of the project was a man named Ralph M. Parsons, who owned one of the world's two largest process engineering firms. The project included eight different forms of teleportation. Not one, but eight. Not two, but eight. And they go like this. Remote viewing, which is a form of psychic time travel. That's not teleporting. Well. In my opinion. Remote viewing, which is psychic time travel. How's it time travel? Can you remote view someone from from another time? I thought you could only remote view someone who's alive. Mm-mm. We're gonna talk about that. <laughs> We're gonna talk. I have so much for oh my you. My gosh. Yep. Spinning to induce out of body experiences. So this would be like spinning on a round vortex table with your head at the center. To induce astral projection. I actually spent many, many years of my life doing that as a child in a chair. Did you ever astral project? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right out of the chair (laughs) (laughs) onto the floor. (laughs) I could spin forever. I don't, I get dizzy, but I can just, it doesn't bother me. I could just get dizzier and dizzier and dizzier. But you didn't astral project. I mean, did you leave your body? All of my childhood. Oh. So who knows? It's possible then, for sure. The chair, later known as the Montauk chair, Mm -hmm. which is also a form of astral projection. Amplified by 100 million watts of power. Gigawatts. (laughs) That'd be 1 billion watts of power. Yeah. I think it was that much. No, it was 100 million watts. Oh, was it? Which which is still entirely too many watts. It's an unfathomable amount. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There is a device called the Chronovisor, which is a holographic time travel. And we're going to talk more about the Chronovisor Mm. in a little while. If you were viewing it for more than 15 minutes, the Chronovisor would sometimes send you to the place that you were viewing physically, but not always. (laughs) Was in the project also a Tesla teleporter. Cool. There was a Stargate, Mm -hmm. which is basically just a bigger Tesla teleporter. Right. Also in the program was a plasma confinement chamber, which we'll talk more about later. Mm-hmm. And there was also a aeronautical repositioning chamber. Sounds cool. So we talked about the Montauk chair in our last Camp Hero episode, which we decided was just a very highly advanced reading chair <laughs> <laughs> to make you a little bit smarter, quicker. <laughs> Uh, the explanation for how the chair was acquired... It was aliens. So let me say this before I continue. All of those eight different forms of telepata- teleportation that mm-hmm. I just listed off... Telepotato. Telepotato. <laughs> not even hungry. <laughs> you got some chips over there? I, feel, I kind of feel like a telepotato. <laughs> um, no, so the eight different kinds of teleportation are listed as Andrew D. Bishago 
as he describes them, and I will get to a little bit more about Andy, um, a lot of what is in our episode is taken directly from watching his Lies? Watching interviews with him and hearing what he had to say and describe uh, the things that had happened to him while he was in Project Pegasus. We got another storyteller. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the Montauk chair in our last Camp Hero episode. The explanation for how the chair was acquired, according to Andy, is this. The chair itself was a pilot's chair from aboard a wrecked extraterrestrial aircraft that was recovered. The chair was capable of predicting if there was potentially something dangerous in the path of the ship and kept it from danger, essentially predicting the future of where the ship was going Mm -hmm. as the pilot was piloting the Mm -hmm. ship. Once the abilities of the chair were discovered by humans... (laughs) It was outfitted to allow the person sitting in the chair to view the future. The children in the project were recruited through a program called Project Talent in the 1960s. I've heard Alex Jones mention Uh Project Talent. And I've looked it up. It was a real thing. The children were recruited through a program called Project Talent in which 440,000 students from across the country participated. The goal was to gather an enormous amount of information about America's youth and their learning abilities. The children were using a device called a tachistoscope to increase their speed reading abilities. Uh, And there's a picture of a diagram of how a tachistoscope works. Uh, None of the words are legible. No, they're not. They're blurry. I'm sorry. So it might as well just be bullshit. Okay, and there's an actual picture of a tachistoscope. Okay. It was created in Germany, and its initial use was to help fighter pilots to identify aircraft as friendly or enemy. Tachistoscopes were used in the 1960s in public schools as an aid to increase reading comprehension for speed reading. The device had a lens that the child would look through, uh, much like binoculars or the little thingy that you look through at the um, Department of Motor Vehicles Mm -hmm. to check your eyesight. Mm -hmm. It's like that. You put your face down on it and look through it. And then letters and words and phrases would be printed on slide film and be scrolled past the child's eyesight, forcing them to read it as quickly as possible. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if there are surviving ones. I'm sure there are. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but I have never heard of a tachistoscope. I have never Nor seen have I. one. I think it's fascinating. And I'm going to have to ask my father, who was alive in the 60s, about this thing. <laughs> oh, boy. He'll get going. Oh, yeah. I hope he'll know what it is and I then he'll know. tell us a story. I, my, so my father, <clears throat> I don't, I would love for him to come on here and talk. I don't know that he would, but boy, does he have some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> he's into a conspiracy theory or oh, 10. Yeah. Like, he's he's all about it, but I don't know if we'll ever be able to twist his arm into to coming and talking with us. Maybe. Maybe someday Maybe. we'll try. But I will have to ask him about this tachistoscope. I think it's, it's, it's weird, right? Well, I mean, not to disparage the baby boomers, but if it worked, there's a lot. I don't think it worked. Let's just say <laughs> 
<laughs> no? I don't know. Well, apparently, we'll, we'll get into what they were doing with all of this. I, I mean, I don't know. They The baby boomers seem smart enough, but no smarter or less smart than other generations. So, Well, maybe they read faster. I don't think they do. <laughs> okay. They certainly can't read text on screens faster mm-hmm. in general in general <laughs> i don't know i would love to get my hands on one of these and try it for myself i am sure we could build one with a computer very easily <laughs> yeah probably you could probably yeah. just google to kiss i guarantee there's a website that just does just, it just does it right yeah and you could put like a cardboard box over it and make little <laughs> little goggles um so one of these children in the program, like I mentioned before, was a man named Andrew D. Bishago. Here is a picture of Andrew D. Bishago. And we're, for the sake of ease, we are just going to call him Andy. And this is a picture of Andy when he was probably five or six. Okay? Like a young genius. Look at him. Like a young Andy. Poindexter. <laughs> he was one of... 140 school children that were secretly enrolled in this classified project. The idea was that the children would have the ability to adapt better to the strain of traveling through time. And they were meant to continue their involvement um, in the project into adulthood. So basically, they were just being trained. Mm -hmm. um, And the project was meant to seek out the brightest defenseless really smart defenseless people who could read really fast that's what they were looking for yeah very moldable maybe and smart yeah and defenseless i mean it was called the project talent Mm. defenseless people i don't know but they got 140 of them in this program and that was out of a ton of kids so across the country uh andrew or Andy, as we will call him, was born in Morristown, New Jersey, and was just six years old when he was recruited into Project Pegasus. His father, Raymond Bishago, happened to be one of the principals in the project and was a Defense Department engineer and worked for the CIA. Here's a picture of Andy's dad, Raymond. In the winter of 1968, is the first time that Andy teleports, and he does so with his father. Andy's father, Raymond, took him to the room with the device and told him that they were going to jump through the device and that they had to jump very quickly to avoid being injured, at precisely, as Andy says, one meter per second. He found out later that injured actually meant being dismembered. (laughs) So you want to move precisely at exactly Um, one meter per second one meter per second Mm. it's very precise Mm -hmm. i mean how fast is that it's about you could say roughly three foot a second three foot a second Mm -hmm. so you just want to make like a a great fairly reasonably big jump fast jump like walk okay you probably walk at about well, you know, when you're going to the store, you're probably walking at about, I don't know, one meter a second, one and a half meters a second. Oh, maybe faster because I usually want to well, get in and I'm get saying. back out. You're a fast walker. Yes. Now, my only complaint, I don't know enough yet, but the thing is, is that a meter is actually an arbitrary speed, like a meter per second. Like, what is a meter? It's like a, a yard. I, 
Yes. <laughs> but it's not, oh, I it's thought, not based. I thought you were asking me A question. meter is actually not based. At least I got it right. It's all basically derived from the kilogram. That's okay. how metric works, which makes it far more self-consistent than, you know, like imperial. But it's still not based on anything. Re- like, they weren't like, oh, well, if you, you know, helium vibrates at such and such a speed and then blah, blah, blah. And based on that, we'll make it, you know, we'll make it a meter yeah. or we'll make it a second. Even a second is just like an arbitrary number. Okay. So the thing is, if you're building some kind of device that is working on fundamental forces of physics beyond what we understand, the number would be like 1.29432 meters per second. It or would be Because it would number. be based on some universal constant of actual reality. Okay. That's my only complaint. Okay. That's all. But I mean, it's, I it's good that they know that, uh, you know, yeah. how fast to move to not be dismembered. Yeah. I mean, how did they figure that out? Someone had to have been yeah. dismembered, right? Yeah, with or a, mm-hmm. a pig or something. You just send a pig through. I would send one first before I send a person. I guess so. Now, if I was an evil scientist like these people, I'd probably just send a person. Yeah. See what happens. Your least favorite person. <laughs> yeah, a convict. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe a war criminal or like a, you know, POW or something. You're ruthless. <laughs> Well, I'm just taking the place of these evil scientists that are doing this shit. That's right. The teleporter had two elliptical booms with Tesla's energetic array flowing through them. Between them, sorry. Uh The teleporter was part of a collection of papers and diagrams and works that had been legally confiscated by the U.S. after Nikola Tesla's death. Now... Everything I'm telling you, let me just, I'm going to probably reiterate this, is all according to what Andy says. Okay, that's fine. Um, This is all part of his story. Andy and his dad practiced the jump a few times before actually jumping into the teleporter at the Curtis Wright Building in New Jersey and ended up at the Santa Fe State Capitol Grounds. They were then driven to Dr. Agnew in Los Alamos. According to Andy, he was the first American child to teleport. That's definitely an, that's a that's, that's a really that's an achievement. That's a really big leap for a small man. Yeah, I, I mean that's like a pretty cool distinction, and I guess that if if that had really happened, it's like the first person that invented fire. Yeah, like if that had really happened to me. And I was telling everybody this and like it was kind of controversial and some people believe me and some people didn't. I'd be really bummed that I didn't get like some kind of like trophy for that, you yeah, know, at least like a pat on the head by the president or something or like a patch, like first time. Yeah. Right. That I could iron to my shirt <laughs> that I could yeah. iron to my sweater pocket. Well, you know, one thing is uh, John Titer, he ought to know about Andrew. Uh, so there was something brought up later. I remember when they mentioned talking about Camp Hero. Uh, yeah. So there was something brought up later where Andy did an interview, and I think it was an interview, and someone said, are you John Titer? Mm-hmm. Uh, because Andy started talking about his experiences in the year 2000, and he got a little bit upset. He was like, 
no, I'm not John Titor. That was fake. So um, <laughs> yeah, but see, John Titor would have known. I don't mean he would have knew Andrew, but Andrew would have like after time travel is discovered and it's like being mm-hmm. used in the classified circles. That information, you know, this program way back in the day would be known about. And of course, then you know the time travelers. Th- these would be. It's kind of like he would be like the John von Neumann of programmers. Right. Right. A pioneer. Right. Yeah. So you'd know who he was. He'd be famous. Yes. But. uh, Within that circle. Andy says, no way, no how. John Titor's fake. Yeah. It's not real. It was a hoax. Um, And he does believe that it was the it was the lawyer's brother who was John Titor. Oh, so Andrew was that he did say that. Yes. Oh, Uh, I I believe that's. What I remember hearing him say. One, I, I one, watched a ton of stuff. One LARP calls another LARP fake. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll get into how we feel about this at the end of the second part. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure this will be fun for anyone to listen to my attitude change. I I hope I can sway you in Andy's favor. I feel because... like you've already softened me too much with this show. <laughs> Yeah, you're not as hard as a skeptic as you used to be. Andy describes that some of the training that they received was called alpha intelligence training. They were shown how to properly observe, remember, and report back. Also, how to surveil and how to protect themselves. If captured, they were taught how to get messages to important people that could help. He refers to himself and the others as psychic spies. I was just going to say like time spies or something. Yeah, they kind of were like time spies and they're all like 6 to 12 years old. So, I mean, who's going to who's going to assume this 8-year-old over here wandering through is up to something other than just, you know, stealing a pie off the windowsill? I mean, it's a pretty good way to send spies in. You're not going to just blame a kid. Right? Like, you're not going to go for the kid first. You're going to go for the weird guy in the corner. No? You would go straight for the kid, huh? What? I'd just go on. I don't have anything. (laughs) I just, I doubt it would be, I don't know. It would have to be because the kids have to be kids. If they could send anyone else, they wouldn't send kids. Okay. Unless they just want to, they, they, it's like they're expendable or something. Yeah. The reason for wanting the kids was because they were moldable and because they wanted to keep them in long term and start them when they were young and have them keep going as adults. Like they wanted to yeah. turn them into basically like long term psychic spies. I'm sure they do that to real people as real spies. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, So in 1971, Andy recalls that there was a woman named Connie who actually was in possession of a book that Andy would eventually write. It's a paper that he wrote, and we will talk about that in part two. Um, So just bear that in mind. This woman physically had a copy of a book that Andy would write as an adult. Cool. And he sees that in 1971. And this is also the year that they started administering a pill to the participants to counteract the side effects of time travel. At this point, Andy and his father... Rapid aging? No. <laughs> Who are you working for? Don't you worry. I'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
As I'm smoking a cigarette in a dark corner. I'm waiting. (laughs) At this point, Andy and his father were working in White Rock, New Mexico. He recalls that they would spend weeks or months there involved in the project, but then would teleport home later that same day that they had left. This would make it appear as though they had only been gone for hours, keeping their secret from the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. So basically at the age six, he was Yeah, you would in walk the in the CIA. door and then as, as soon as they walked in the door, they'd walk back out of the door. Well, from home at home. Well, but yeah, they were going well, hours later. Yeah. Yes, but it, it wasn't hours later. At the, it at could the have home. been weeks or months. But what I'm saying is from the f- reference frame yeah. of the home, uh-huh. they would just walk back in minute. No, or the it would same be second. hours later. Oh, hours. Yeah. They would make it look they like they had been somewhere. gone okay. for the day. But they could have walked back in at any time they wanted. They could have, but they made it Mm. like they'd say they were going somewhere, be gone for a few hours, come back. But in reality, Mm. they were in New Mexico for weeks and months working on these um, teleportation Mm. projects. I'll tell you what, the more you tell me about this stuff, the more I realize how many Futurama jokes I've been missing out on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. Yep. Yeah, we may have to get back to that. These people that made Futurama, they're privy to all this stuff they knew they yeah. knew what was that yeah after this andy and his project mates were sent back in time to witness various historical moments in the spring of 1972 on one such occasion andy was sent to november 18th 1863 do you know what that is november 18th 1863 i could probably muster a guess of flailed around here for a while but just throw one out what do you got <laughs> you're so worried about being right you can't just spit one out well i want to say it wasn't when lincoln got shot that was later correct was it when lincoln was born no it was in gettysburg for the for abraham lincoln's address oh. Yes, so Andy uh, was sent to November 18th, 1863 for the Gettysburg Address. That was a good guess, though. You got Abraham Lincoln, right? Well, it was the era. Yeah. While there, he says that he moved away from the front of the crowd as Lincoln approached and stood at the back of the crowd among some other children. Within a few moments, he felt a tingling sensation wash over his body, and he knew that he was about to be teleported back to the lab. In the summer of 1972, uh, that was in the spring that he got teleported to Gettysburg. Uh In the summer, just a few months later, um, after returning from the experience, that experience, there was news that a number of photographs had been found of the day that President Lincoln gave his Gettysburg Address. A few of the photos were printed in a magazine, and when Andy got a look at them, he was surprised to see himself in one of the photos. Oh, come on. I have the photo. Oh, yeah. You ready? Yep. So here is the photo. Oh, God. And that is Andy. Okay. That's Andy. All right. Um, so Take his word for when it. He, when, he was, when I was listening to him talk and I was listening to him describe what had happened, he said that he had come like out of the front of this crowd, walked to the back, and he stood there. He said that he had size 14 men's shoes on, and he was 
trying not to attract attention because he was small and looked really weird with these giant men's shoes on. Um, so as he was standing there, he actually had looked over and over here where the picture was taken from, he had noticed the photographer who was uh -huh. a woman. Uh -huh. And um, he turned his head to avoid like being noticed. And as he turned his head, he started to feel the tingling uh -huh. that he was being teleported back to the lab. Uh -huh. And apparently at that moment, she had snapped a picture. So uh, that is the context of this picture. I gather that. Upon realizing it was in fact himself in one of the pictures, he told his father and showed him the paper. His father verified that, yes, that was indeed him, and that he should not tell anyone. At least not yet. Andy says that in the photo, you can see that he was just beginning to fade from being teleported. Later in life, Andy gave the photo to an analyst who said that the picture shows Andy's cheekbone and eye socket. Like, if you can actually see the structures... Um, as though he were becoming less visible. The look under your face. <laughs> go on. No, go ahead. What do you, what do you got to say? I don't have anything to say. I'm kind of at a stopping point, so if you have <laughs> something to say, now's the time. So my problem with this picture, as I'm sure is every other person's problem who has a problem with this picture, is... We can't get DNA from this photo. There's no way to be 100% certain that this is, in fact, Andy. There's no way to be certain that that's, in fact, the Gettysburg Address going on right there. Uh, it is, actually. Those are real pictures of the Gettysburg Address. I think there were, like, five or six total that they found. And that's pretty much it. And they even know who the photographer was. Okay. But... I mean, how how would you ever definitively prove that that is Andy? There's just no way without DNA. So, I mean, I, I could pick up any picture of the past to find a little girl in it and say, that's me, you know? Yeah. Well, especially so, one with that lack of detail. Right. It's very blurry. It's black and white. And he even addresses the fact that in this era with the cameras, if anybody was moving, there was a blur. There were artifacts that the camera would have. Sure. He, he acknowledges that, but says that the photo analyst uh, said this isn't what's happening in this photo with him. He's actually seemingly disappearing mm -hmm. in the photo. Mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox style. Doesn't look like it to me. No, I I think he, the texture of him looks very similar to the kids next mm -hmm. to him. Uh, he looks like he's just one of the kids next to him. And he also says that in this picture, he had in his hand a roll of paper that if he were to get in any kind of trouble, he were to give this piece of paper to someone and it said to take him to a... Um, a specific man or a specific person that would then know what to do and help him in mm -hmm. this time. So I let me tell you that I listened to so many of his You've speeches. been brainwashed. No. I mean, I will tell you exactly what I think at <laughs> no, the end. No, I'm not brainwashed. But <laughs> Now let me tell you I'm brainwashed. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> He has so many names and so many things that line up. I tried to fact check a lot of his stuff, and I could. Um, his story and the people in it are very 
if this is if if this is indeed all fabricated, it's very well fabricated, mm. like very well. I've never seen that so, happen before in my life. Well, let's well let's keep going. Let's talk a little bit more about Andy and that stuff. picture. When I look at that, it does not strike me as him. Now, obviously, there's no detail to say yes or no. There's no way to tell. But I, I would love for that to be Andy, but I can't that's tell. The key. Right, but like I said, I can't tell. And if anybody were to look at that picture and be like, yep, that's Andy, I just don't think that I could... That's the one key take, missing detail. I could detail. not take that as fact because we don't have like DNA the from this photo. The key missing detail of this photo is precisely what you just said. You want it to be him. I do want it to be him. Okay. I do want him to be the first time traveler. <laughs> I want him to tell me how to do it. Right. I will actually it's easy. I will actually get to that. You just walk through this thing at one meter per second. I will get to that. Sister, move along. Let's get there. <laughs> okay. I'm working on it. So the Montauk chair was used by Andy on at least 50 occasions. So he actually used the chair as well. So Andy's super smart. Yeah. Because he got educated in the chair. Yes, he he was he was picked. You know um, what I wish, and it didn't hurt that his dad also worked for the same project in the CIA. I wish they would find a couple of politicians and put their asses in that chair, because we could use some smarter politicians. Yeah, we're not going to get into that because we don't do politics. On I know, this, but, but I'm just. I'd say you could probably always say that in any era of human history. Oh, yeah. We could use a couple better politicians. You could smarten up about half of them always. Just one would be a good start. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Like I said, Andy said that at least on 50 occasions he'd use this chair. I guess that's why we should vote for Andy when he runs for president in like four more years. Crap. They don't know that yet. Well, we. Yeah, they do because that was in the Montauk chair. Who knows if they've listened well, to it. Well, get your ass back there and listen to it. You <laughs> don't want to have anything spoiled. You heard the man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you heard the man. Yeehaw. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I'm getting animated. It's happening. That's how I know I like a story. When I start getting, I feel a little passion. Pure fiction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I haven't said that yet. Not yet. But I'm just, I have to be the skeptic here. I demand. Mr. Lockwood. I demand. Are you not entertained? I am very entertained. (laughs) Still. You know what's more important? We're about halfway through this one and you're still entertained. This is only half? I'm doing my job good. I was hoping it would only be a quarter. Oh, sorry. One time while looking into his own future in the Montauk chair, Andy saw himself as a lawyer in Seattle. The teleporter was a tunnel that when entered, the traveler would have to take a few gulps of air before entering in order to not asphyxiate while going through. Andy's father told him that the first three people to go through the tunnel did asphyxiate because the tunnel was too long for them to continue breathing in. The traveler would see a tiny light at the other end and then exit to where their destination would ultimately be. Mm -hmm. Another device that Andy used was one called the chronovisor. Now that's a word I've never heard before. Well, we're going to, the whole second part is a lot about the chronovisor. That's kind of like the, um... oh, (laughs) I'm going to find out what that is too. So, uh, 
The first viewing Andy saw using the device was the signing of the U.S. Constitution. Mm. So Andy actually saw that happen. Mm, How quaint. When they eventually upgraded the chronovisor, it was upgraded to be more of a 3D cube that would physically take you to the destination. He finds himself teleported to the Civil War between the Union and the Confederates. He describes that if he had been hurt during this experience, he would not have actually been hurt because this was more of a three-dimensional viewing, making you more of a ghost in their environment. Mm-hmm. Does this all make sense to you? Perfectly makes sense. I God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I understand exactly what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Once fourth-dimensional chronovision came out, if you were there for more than 15 minutes... You would be stuck there, and they would have to insert a porthole to get you out. Okay. Okay. I could see how the chronovisor would be much better for gaining intelligence. Yes. Because having to go there puts you in quite amount of peril. Yes, yes. This was just especially like a viewing device. One thing that would make it really nice is if you did have to go there to say, like, I don't know, alter history. You use the chronovisor first to see if it's safe to jump there. Right. At that point in time, like, at that place. You peek through and you just look around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you would. It's a time periscope. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It just pops up and looks around. Like in a cartoon. And then you, yeah. Nope, not yeah. there. Yeah. 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 It's good. I- I'm with you. I thought the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. It never happened. okay on we go to the future of this story (laughs) he was also sent using the chronovisor to an area in arizona currently known as sedona i've been there it's Mm. a weird place after walking for about 10 minutes in arizona no offense sedonians (laughs) no a little offense weird weird no not weird bad weird in that it does have a strange vibe like i have been there and it is tell me about this vibe it's strange what do you mean you just you'll just have to go there have you ever not been you and walked into our house yeah i'm not me all the time (laughs) (laughs) now that's a strange vibe last week not me (laughs) imagine what people that aren't us feel when they walk in this place oh this place is vibey all over the place that'll put sedona to shame i know we got some weird vibes there's some weird shit going on around here for sure he was sent to arizona and after walking around for 10 minutes in arizona he looks up and sees that he has been sent to the jurassic period because there are dinosaurs in the distance eating from trees Awesome. Really, really awesome. Right. I like that. And I feel like if you had a chronovisor, that's what you'd be up to. There are so many things I would be up to. Yes. It would be it'd be like getting the internet for the first time. Yeah. Hog no wild. No one else knew what it was. You'd be buck oh, naked man. and hog wild. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing tonight, Mr. Lockwood? I'm chronovising. <laughs> when I come over, you wouldn't even have to ask that me? question. That's all we would do. We'd just be endlessly chronovising. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, don't you think it'd get old after a while? Nope. 
I would never There's see you again. There's a lot of stuff to look at. I would never see you again. The universe I... is a big place. And if you get to multiply it by time, then it's really, really big. I would definitely be checking out some dinosaurs if that were the case. And he was also sent at one point to 1776 in Brooklyn Heights, New York. And he was sent there to advise General George Washington to retreat his troops <laughs> as a six-year-old. <laughs> okay. I mean. Got nothing to say about that. Which General George Washington did. And according to Andy, George Washington, when referring to that period of time, says that he was visited by angels. Um, that told him what to do. He did what he was told and everything worked out in his favor. But Andy says that the angels that George Washington is talking about was I, him and I, his fellow I gather that. and his fellow six-year-olds yes. to advise him. It would be easy to convince anyone. You know everything about them. If they're a historical True. figure, like True. You, you know, I know what your I know what your mother's maiden name is. Right. I know what your sister. I know where your sister lives. Well, you would come off as a yeah. prophet or a god yeah. or something. Yeah, and you could be like, I know what you're planning to plant this year. Yeah, you know, you're gonna plant corn or what? Like, there's so many. Hey, look. Things. And I just told you all this stuff, and I know what's gonna happen if you don't do what yeah. I tell you to do. Yeah. So they would just go like, all right. Yeah. I was kind of leaning that way myself anyway, so I'm just gonna go with it. Right. Because a bunch of six-year-olds showed up. And yeah, but if they know stuff. I guess. I mean, there are things that someone... And that's how confidence games work. True. Too. True. So you have to make sure they really know stuff and not just stuff they can find not out. Not just piddly things. Yeah. Yeah. Is that dog chewing on a stick he shouldn't be chewing on? I don't know. I don't see him. Really? Oh, there he is. That's weird. He wasn't there and then he just appeared. The dog just teleported. It's chrono doggy. Chrono Dog just showed up in his bed. Guys, that was weird. <laughs> he seriously wasn't there, and now he is. Chrono Schlong. Uh, chrono Wiener. <laughs> Are you my Chrono Wiener? He's looking at me like, what? I do this all the time. <clears throat> all right. That was kind of my favorite one, though. Like, I mean, that is He went great... to advise yes. George Washington. With the picture right there, though. Yeah. Even with that Gettysburg. Yeah. I mean... That's a good one. So uh, the advanced chronovisor was used November 5th. Now, this is different than the regular old chronovisor. Yeah, this is like the 3D cube one, I believe. The The original regular one was like a TV that you just peered through. Yeah. You just watched it, but it showed you the past, and it didn't really do the future. Okay. But we'll get into okay. that. Okay. All right. So the advanced chronovisor was used November 5th, 1971. It was used to send the participants... Above the U.S. Supreme Court building in D.C. to see what condition it was in, Andy reported back to the Office of Naval Intelligence that it was under 100 feet of water. He says that before being sent, he said that before being sent, that they had believed that the building may be underwater and outfitted the children in what looked like waterproof spacesuits. <laughs> <laughs> seems logical that's what i would do I... <laughs> shall we I pause the little bastards to drown 
I just okay. So I I guess the other thing, the 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 one really main thing that's just really really chewing on me that's hard for me to wrap my mind around is the fact that there are like six year olds. Like I am still struggling. That's the least <sighs> remarkable thing of this. No, everything else I believe. The six year olds bother you. If if yeah, if there were an adult human telling me this, I'd be in. Yeah, but they're 110%. smart. One hundred and ten percent. We've met smart young children. Well, we have smart young children in our lives, but even at like mid-teens, I would still be like, you can't be trusted. (laughs) You're going to fuck this up somehow. I think they're more trustworthy when they're seven than when they're 15. Well, they don't lie as much (laughs) when they're seven. They don't. No, they don't lie much at all. Yeah. They tell the truth more. So, you know, hands down, that's the one thing I'm struggling with. That's what bothers you? Yes. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Interdasting. That's right. In addition to all the other devices he used, he did use the Stargate as well. Uh, This was basically a teleporter that would be used for longer distances. He says that the plasma confinement chamber was also used. Uh, It was essentially a large box. The plasma confinement chamber, also known as... An electromagnet. So you've heard of, you've heard of the plasma confinement chamber. Well, there is such a thing as plasma confinement. Plasma, but no chamber. <laughs> is a superheated gas that is stripped of its electrons once it gets hot enough, and then it becomes magnetic. Oh. And you can confine it. Yeah. With magnets. Okay. Well, that's how fusion reactors work. Well, I'm going to describe to you how this box works and confining confining the plasma. It was essentially a large box with a door at one end of it and a line on the floor at the other end. Plasma would be released from the end the participant was standing at. It was described as opal essence in appearance, the actual... Um, plasma and it was ultimately thought to be the cause of what is known as a time slip so when using this device they would have problems with time slippage also another futurama episode this device was the device that was used to send andy to gettysburg Hmm. andy recalls that one child that was in project pegasus alongside him accidentally teleported into a fountain with water in it. Because of that, his feet and the rest of him arrived at different times. As a result, his feet were severed. He fell out of the fountain and began to scream as Andy ran toward him. The boy was nine years old at that time, and in 2005, Andy attempted to reach out to the now man and see what he remembered about being in the project. That's a very sad story, actually. It is. Uh, He says that he remembers teleporting this child that lost his feet, but the man ultimately ends up not wanting to communicate with Andy and never gets back in contact with him. So he talked to him once, I think, and then quit talking to him. So Andy yeah. Andy says he's not sure if he was threatened or mm. if his family told him not to talk about it mm. or what. But um, Andy has given shout outs numerous times to this person trying to get him to get in contact with him because he'd like to talk to him about it. So 
Accidents and injuries were not uncommon, as Andy himself suffers from eye problems and has gone through a multitude of surgeries attempting to retain a portion of his eyesight. He is also suffering from kidney failure from the experiment and devices that, was, that he was exposed to. In fact, in 2003, he was told that all of the kids that were involved with teleportation were developing a disease that mimics diabetes. This is something that Andy developed as an adult and was treated with the same treatments that diabetes would have been, but it didn't work. Many of the doctors that he went to did not have a treatment and would just refer him to a shrink to have him tested for mental illness instead, which he he never went to have that done, but he is, you know... I mean, I could see how that would be upsetting when you know you have some real illness and they're like, well, you're a little bit nutty. You should go see a shrink instead because they don't want to or can't fix you, fix your actual ailment. So he's a little bit. Or you're crazy. I mean, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so, actually. I know that. I have been sweet. I I believe about 90% of what Andy has to say. So, Andy leaves Project Pegasus in 1972. 1980 to 1984, Andy attends UCLA. In 1989, Andy's father requests that after he passes away, that Andy should speak up about the project and time travel. He tells Andy that the involvement they had in the project was a great accomplishment by the United States, and he didn't want anyone else taking credit for the strides that they had helped make in time travel. He tells Andy that it may take him a while to piece together all of the things he knows, but he does because he had seen the book that Andy writes using the chronovisor, allowing him to have quantum access. And quantum, quantum a- and quantum access is knowledge about future events. That's what that oh, means. Okay. Andy's father dies in January of 1990. Andy goes on to get his degree in law and a certification in environmental and natural resources. In physics. High-energy particle physics, right? No. He also earns two master's degrees, one in environmental planning and one from Cambridge for land economy. (laughs) You don't need that to be a time traveler. But remember, when he looked into his future before, he said that he was a lawyer in Seattle and he became a lawyer in Seattle. Boom. I don't think you're sighing near hard enough. (laughs) But your microphone smells nasty. Any other thoughts other than rancid sighs? Why are you banging your head off of the microphone? Okay, I shall continue. I'm thinking. You wanted a good one. I, I got a good it, buddy. one, buddy. I think. Yeah, you can't. I don't know. It's so good, you can't even wrap your that's, mind around it. It's not the problem I'm having. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to continue. We'll talk about it. Yes, at the end. I'm waiting for more. Okay. Andy comes forward 
<clears throat> I'm just saying I see some red. My red flags are tingling. Okay. That's all I have to say. You got a few of them tucked in your pocket? I, I'm saving them up. Okay. Andy comes forward and begins speaking publicly around the year 2000. He begins doing speaking engagements and conferences all around the globe. He's done close to 500 radio shows in 15 different countries. His reason for being so open and willing to share this secret information is that he was effectively protecting himself by being so public. So if he's just out there telling the truth, they're not going to take him out. I haven't ever witnessed anyone get assassinated or murdered because they went public. They ain't going to take you out. Right. Or be thrown in prison illegally for their whole life. That's never happened throughout history. Correct. (laughs) Because they know that if they go public, they'll be safe. Yes. Yeah. Works every time. This time I got a big, (laughs) dirty secret. I'm just going to tell everyone so I'm safe. (laughs) Well, I told everyone my big, dirty secret. I'm sure I'm safe now. (laughs) So currently, Andy is working on what his father was, which is achieving global public teleportation. So this I'm is all his for mission. That. I know. See, I'm behind Andy 110%. Uh, he believes that teleportation is still happening, but he surmises that it is being contained to the executive branch of the government, mostly for the use of the president and other executives to get from place to place around the globe. August 14th, 2015, Andy does an interview with Art Bell uh-huh. from Coast good to Coast. Good old Art Bell. I thought you would love that we get to hear from good old Art Bell again. Do you have the recording of it? I want to listen to Art Bell talk again. I do have a recording yes. that we are going to listen to, and I'm not going to put it in the episode, but I will put it in the links for you guys to listen to if you'd like to hear an interview with Art Bell. Art Bell had met Andy in 1971, and Andy gave him a rundown of the key events of his career and the outline of his future. Art Bell's future. He told Art Bell Mm -hmm. this. In 2015, Art tells Andy that he was right about all the things that he had told him. Andy has also been very forthcoming about the details of how to build a chronovisor Please, hit me. And has repeatedly outlined how to do so publicly. And yet? No one's done it. You could be the first, Mr. Lockwood. It's because we're all too fucking stupid to do it. That's all. We're too scared. Oh, yeah, too scared. I'm too scared. I'm not. Okay, well, here you go. I'm going to tell you. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) Just a preface. If if anybody builds this, we will not be hot accountable for anything bad that happens. Uh, I can tell you one thing. If this is the last show you hear from us, it's because I built one and we just figured out how to print a whole bunch of money for ourselves and sayonara suckers. No, we'd put out one more episode. And it would be titled sayonara Sayonara suckers. suckers. (laughs) Agreed. All right. Well, that's the plan, guys. (laughs) If that happens, you'll know. (laughs) Make sure you listen to this episode, though, or you won't know. All right, you ready? Yeah, when you see like the new NASDAQ company, Chronovisor Inc., just know it's it's Mr. and Mrs. Lockwood. Like we 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 made it. We done did, we did it. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Appreciate it, pal. <laughs> All right, ready? This is gonna be mind blowing for you. I am ready. 
All right. The hologram in the chronovisor was achieved by putting an electromagnetic signal through an eight-sided bismuth crystal. All you have to do is play with the electromagnetic signals and the crystals until a hologram pops out on your desk. Okay. I'm with you so far. It makes sense. Yep. Uh, and Andy also issues a warning with this information that is, uh, quote, if you do achieve the hologram successfully, you better be ready for a visit from Homeland Security. <laughs> That's it. That's how you make it. Well, so then they hire you, right? Or they kill you. One of the two. <sighs> so that's it. Uh, you put the, you take the electromagnetic signal, put it through an eight-sided bismuth crystal, uh-huh. and then all you have to do is play around with it until a hologram pops out. Yeah, you probably alter the frequency, intensity. Are we going to try it? I would imagine there's some resonance involved. Can we try it? Now, I don't understand how that allows you to see stuff. You just fiddle with it until a hologram pops out on your desk. Okay, underpants, no. No, that is exactly out of his mouth what he said you need to do. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Underpants, no. We're, we're missing step two. No, we're going right I'm going to step three. take my handful of electromagnetic signal. Uh-huh. And I'm going to take my handful of bismuth crystals. I'm going to lay them on the desk in uh-huh. front of me and move them around until a hologram pops out. Yeah, basically. But you don't use your hands. You use... Can we do it? Yeah, sure. All right. Why not? So this is where you're going to not... All I'm going to need is a synchrotron, a.k.a. a microwave. In an ampatron room? I don't need any ampatrons <laughs> yet. Okay. We can get some bismuth. Quite easily. They actually make, uh, for duck hunting, waterfowl hunting, they make bismuth ammunition. Really? Yeah. Is it out of the crystals? No, it's bismuth. It's made out of bismuth. Because bismuth is heavy and kind of lead-like, because you're not allowed to use lead to hunt waterfowl. Okay, when... So we can can source our bismuth from those shells. When I hear the word bismuth, all I can think is Pepto-Bismol. I think it has bismuth in it. Well, it literally says bismuth. So we can just go right to the Pepto. We don't even need the shotgun, the super expensive shotgun shell. So we can just get the. We can just dump that on our electromagnetic signal. Yeah. And a hologram will pop out. I suppose we we could isolate the bismuth somehow. We'll need some chemistry sets. Well, we could put it in some kind of isolation containment. We'll call it the Pepto visor. (laughs) The Pepto visor. Only use it when your tummy hurts. <laughs> All right. So. I can look back in time and see what I did to cause myself so much discomfort. Oh, what like did I, I don't, eat yesterday? Like I don't even know. <laughs> what did I eat yesterday? It's really days just to embarrass myself so I stop doing it. Why haven't I pooped in a week? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Remember that you know, half gallon ice cream you ate three nights ago? Yeah, that's that makes why. Sense. Sense. You know what? That'd probably be a really great thing for people to get them to like, like if you wanted to be on a diet, you just look back at yourself pigging out and you're disgusted and you just quit doing it. I don't think it works. The chrono dieter. Because then you the feel bad, bad. And you only have one way to make yourself feel good. Turn off the chrono visor and keep eating. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and throw it in the trash. <laughs> Never look at it again. 
Here's where we're going with us. Ready? Uh, where could we be going? This is where we are going to conclude today's oh. episode. <laughs> and part two and the conclusion of our deep dive into Project Pegasus will drop next Monday. We will take a closer look at the chronovisor and how Andy ended up on Mars after he left Project Pegasus. Oh, jerk. I know you're so mad. So that's where we're going to stop. Now, if you want to talk a little bit more about what we talked today um, in this episode, we can continue. There's no theories section because theories kind of I'd like, I want to kind of want to be Andrew a little bit. Huh? Huh? You can talk about Andy. I kind of want to be Andrew a little bit. I I know. You I'm know. a little jealous of this life he's I don't got want to be to that lead. other kid that got his feet chopped off in a water fountain. No, but, you know, according to Andy, it's, you know, it's interesting, but it also was, um, I mean, he straight up says it was an exciting thing, but also at times a very terrifying thing. Well, it yeah, was, anything worth doing typically yeah. is. And he was, you know, not an unwilling participant, but also... Maybe somewhat, you know, because when you're six, you, how are you going to say yeah, no? Yeah, like an abuse victim. A little bit. <laughs> um, I, I just don't think it's ethical to like. No. To like no, it's not. suck six-year-olds into think, this. I'm not sure. I don't know, but it, it feels wrong to me. I mean, only maybe where it was educational, like Gettysburg and telling Washington what to do. No. Um, none of that's ethical at all. Yeah. Not in the least. Oh, uh, yeah. I struggle with that part. Again, I struggle with the part where they're six-year-olds. <laughs> um, Experimenting on people when they don't know any better is very, 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 very evil. What do you think about the different uh, modes of teleportation? Do you want to talk about those any? Uh, so the one that I thought was interesting was the spinning to induce out-of-body experiences. So they basically would just put these kids on a giant round spinning table, put their heads in the center of it, and spin them until they blacked yeah, out. centrifuge. Yeah. Yeah. Until they blacked out and then ask them to come, like, report back. So they're just putting them on a DMT trip. Probably knocks them out in their pineal gland releases it a knocks, whole bunch of dmt and they go on a dmt trip and we're gonna go into a couple of these more uh in the next episode i had to break it up yeah so it like was so where's long. the psychedelics involved in this right I, as far as i know uh from what i heard of from andy is that there they were not administered any drugs other than what they were told were to counteract the side effects of teleportation and time travel so they were giving. So that them, must have been a different department that was doing the psychedelic time travel. It, I think so. I think that was a little different. These were all basically like Duncan Cameron kids who already maybe had some kind of psychic abilities and were just you know. There's no mention of psychic ability requirements to travel through time. Nope, uh, not in this. He, I, I don't know, but the, he did say that they were they were called psychic spies. Uh, yeah. That's all I got so far. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I gave you a little bit of everything. I don't like one. to rush to judgment, you know, when you're no half you short when you're half changing me here. You should not. This is a great story. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoy digging into this. I want and mostly do believe everything that Andy <laughs> is telling us. 
And um, I hope that as you all listen to this, you will listen to it with a very open mind and maybe seek out, I will drop links in the show notes and on Facebook to all the videos that I watched of Andy. And he comes off as a very sincere, well-connected person who knows all the people he claims to know and is connected in the ways that he claims to be connected. That's all I can say. I kept a very open mind during this, and I, I'm i having a hard time disproving a lot of his story, but I'm also having a hard time actually proving some of his story. <laughs> so where does that leave us, you know? Uh, I mean, where does that leave you when that happens? Well, it certainly doesn't leave it true. Well, it leaves me in a place where I I'm open to believing that at least some mm-hmm. of it is. Which is the goal of any psychological operation. Yes. So you're saying I've been brainwashed. Yes. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> Please don't kill yes. me in my sleep. So what do you think of this so far? It's good. I like it. Okay. See, you were entertained from beginning I, it to got end. Me fired up. I haven't felt this energetic for a while. So. Right. So, well, I'm glad that you enjoyed part one. Of our story of Andrew D. Bishago. I hope our listeners do as well. I hope so too. Take a look into Andy. Um, come back next Monday, next week, and we'll give you the second half. If you what? know anything for real, please, please, please tell me about it. Yes. I want one thing to be real. Detailed schematics of how the chronovisor works and possibly some research notes from some of the people that build it. That oh. would be good. I've got that. That's coming in the next episode. What? Yeah, it's a real cliffhanger. I'm not going to tell you any of the really good stuff. Because that was all pretty good, though, actually. We haven't even gotten to the part where I mentioned John von Neumann. Or Newman. We're still not certain. I've heard it both ways. I say von Neumann because I'm a dumb American. Lots more to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to say goodbye? Same time channel. Same time hour. It never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Do you have a story that's weird or fascinating? Would you like to have your story read at the end of an episode? If so, please send your story to wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. If you'd like more episodes and bonus content, join Patreon to become a member. If you liked our episode, please remember to like, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.